Right, good evening everybody and welcome to episode 2 of Wilbur Talks FPL where we talk everything FPL and the Premier League in general from the last week. So this week we're going to be looking back on game week 1 and then looking forward to how we'll tackle game week 2. So as we mentioned on the last podcast we'll be having me as your host Will and then you've we've also got our two regular guests of Charlie and Sam. So we're going to go straight in with the first question on how we all feel about having football back which I'm sure like myself we're overjoyed about so Charlie we're happy to see football back and especially with the crowds back in and also welcome back to episode two. Thank you um no I wasn't happy at all <laughs> I think that um the only thing worse than Arsenal losing is Arsenal losing on a Friday before the rest mm. of the football plays um, so then you just have to think about it for the whole weekend. But no, yeah, in all, in all seriousness, every, everything, it, it it was just, yeah, you're back into that comfort zone. You're seeing all the fans in the ground, even having to appreciate the fact that um, in the Arsenal game, having the Brentford fans there did just make it so much more of a spectacle, even if that was to our detriment. But um, yeah, it, you know, you just can't beat that feeling of, of the fans being in, in, the, in the stadium. So yeah, all good, really. Yeah, I think I've been to a few sporting events recently as well, and it's just so much different with the atmosphere there. And just, it's probably 75% of the experience for me, really, the actual enjoyment with the crowd at the same time. Even though, obviously, the result didn't go so well for Charlie, which I'm sure we'll talk, talk about a few times during the podcast. So how did you find it, Sam, with the football being back at its finest, as we would say? Yeah, I've just got one literally top of the notepad, bold, central, so good to have the fans back, just hearing the songs, hearing everything, hearing the pure emotion that all comes along with uh, with football from the terraces was uh, was so, so good. Uh, the Premier League didn't disappoint, so many goals, talking points. Man, it's so good to have club football back. Can't disagree with that one there. Oh, well, I'm sure Charlie can slightly. So... We touched on Charlie. How did what did you make of your team's performance in the game week? Seeing as that was the first fixture of the week on the Friday, try not to swear too much when you're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where to start? Really, um, I think it's only fair to start with Brentford because you know they're a newly promoted club coming up and winning on their opening day against anyone, but. Uh, and I hope it's not too big, Ed, to say, but but a team with the history of Arsenal as well to to beat a side like that is is amazing for them. Um, and I think both teams just approached it in the complete opposite manner. Brentford did it exactly as you would expect. You would, you know, fans coming back into the stadium, really energetic, really up for it, whereas the complete opposite could be said for Arsenal. And I think that's a really damning um, statement about the club at the moment. The fact that I think I think anyone could see what was going to happen and what Brentford would bring to that game. Therefore, you would think you would prepare for that as an Arsenal side coming up against that. You think you would be, um, you know, if if nothing else, you need to be up for this game. You need to match them for the energy and for the for their sort of desire. Um, and it just didn't happen at all. Like the the first thing I said was like we we need to score a goal early to try and sort of kill off this the, the crowd. And it just didn't happen. It didn't look like it was going to happen. Um, there were so many chances being created. People like Tierney, who was playing actually really well, 
just no one on the end of it. And there, there was the thing of Aubameyang and Lacazette being out. Um, it came out recently, I think, that it was due to COVID. Um, but even so, I think I think the sort of worst thing you can say about it is I I honestly don't think it would have made a difference even if they were playing because it just seemed the the sort of application of the whole team just was completely missing. So it, even with those players there, I don't think we would have won that game. Um, but yeah, you've got you just got to praise Brentford I think for their performance and and have attacked the the Premier League exactly how people were saying they would. So fair play to them. Yeah, I think I was just discussing it with a Twitch chat just before. And saying that he kind of felt like he was getting bullied by Brentford. I feel like Arsenal is a team, if they don't set up in the right way, they're quite easy to bully. Since the Wenger days, they've been quite easy to get up against, like throw high balls in. And I feel like defence panics at certain times. So I think the way Brentford went about it, obviously, they didn't have a lot of possession from what I saw. But their game plan was on the money. Obviously, they had the crowd helping them behind it. So fair play to them. And. We can hope for your sake that Arsenal improve going forward in the season. Would you have any oh, yeah. yeah, Go on. <laughs> I was going to say, it would be very Arsenal to lose to Brentford and then get something against Chelsea just mm. completely randomly. Um, although I don't think that will happen because Chelsea will usually beat us. But um, yeah, you're, you're completely right. Especially, I think, Tony was the ideal striker from their point of view. Yeah. Who, he didn't actually play as high up as I was expecting. He didn't sort of... And, and that that was looked like a clear game plan. He he was there just to kind of bully our defense, and they really could be, our defense could be got at, like you say. Like people have been criticizing Ben White, but then that's just not really the kind of centre back he is. He isn't the kind of winning balls in the air kind of centre back. He's the more ball at his feet, trying to play balls out kind of centre back. Um, so I think it's a bit harsh on him. But yeah, they they approached it exactly as as they should, and and were the clear winners on the day. Yeah, I think what you said about Tony's right as well. So many times you're just going for the flick on from the initial header and then you saw that, was it Mbembu and a few other people getting on in behind his flick-ons, which worked quite well yeah. for them. Mbembu, I think, yeah. He he actually, Mbembu ended up as a um, sort of average position on yeah, the pitch right. higher than Tony. He he was much higher on. So, yeah, it was that clear game plan of he drops off a little bit, takes some of the defenders with him and then allows some flick-ons around him. Yeah, unfortunately for you, it worked quite well for him. What would you say about Arsenal's performance or Brentford's, Sam? I'm not to slate um, Arsenal too much there because Brentford did quite yeah, well. It's a difficult one. I thought Brentford were good. I think Brentford thrived off the crowd more than yeah. anything. And it's, you know, we've been in positions where you see average Liverpool teams playing above their standard because the crowd at Anfield gets behind them, you know, so intensely. I think a similar thing is probably going to happen to Brentford at home throughout the course of the season. Um, you know, would expect them not to lose too many games at home, no matter who they're playing. And it's a bit of a difficult one, really, because I, I don't know if Arsenal were genuinely as bad as I think they were. Because if they were, you know, we're not talk, we're not worrying about the top ten here. We're worrying about are Arsenal really going to be sort of fighting to try and break the top 10, let alone anything else, that they were, if that is the general standard of performance, which I don't believe it is, then uh, Arsenal were in all kinds of trouble. I think they look, just look derived of identity without any sort of anyone up the top to try and uh, funnel the attack into. I thought Smith Rowe was really bright. I thought he carried the ball really well for Arsenal. Tierney, like Charlie said, was, was good. Um, but yeah, like I said, this was bad for Arsenal, but it's the opening day of the season. The newly promoted teams are always a nuisance to play against away from home on the opening day of the season. 
Um, I don't think that's a true reflection of where Arsenal are at, um, but it's a stark reminder there's an enormous amount of work for them to do to get anywhere near the levels they were before. Um, yeah, it's a concerning start, but I wouldn't completely down tools as an Arsenal fan just yet. Yeah, while we're talking about Arsenal as well, I've seen we've had a bit of here we go for Erdegaard and Ramsdale. I'm not sure particularly what you think about them, Charlie, of their actual positions that are going to improve your if you need resources elsewhere. Um, I, I think Odegaard definitely. Um, he's and it's it's not too often in in football that you get the opportunity to sort of just try before you buy kind of thing. Where obviously he came to us on loan last season, um, had showed showed good signs, wasn't consistently um really good, but had good good moments. Um, he, I think he had a bit of an injury at some point as well during the back end of last season. Um. But I, I think the the idea really was to just take some of the weight off Smith Rowe. Um, like Sam said, he 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 showed good sort of sparks of good performance um, against Brentford, um, and and there was there's so much pressure being put on Saka and Smith Rowe, who are still so young, that there needed to be someone else to come in to take some of that that weight off. And and the creativity in the team really only comes from either him, and he's not really necessarily particularly a creative kind of player. Um, or Tierney on the left, or, or Saka when he plays. So um, I think Odegaard is an important signing in terms of our creativity in the middle. Um, Ramsdale is a very weird one. I've, from the minute he was linked, I was like, this can't be real. And then when you start seeing the sort of um, verified accounts talking about it, it you're, you're thinking, okay, this, this is, hap- it is happening, but also happening at a much larger fee than I would have expected. Um you know, for that price, I think we probably could have got Johnston from West Brom, who I who would much prefer as a keeper. Um, we're, and, we're, and we are talking about a second keeper as well, so that is part of the context for it. There, there have been some talks about Leno potentially wanting to move on, but for the time being, he's the number one keeper, and there's no way that I can see, certainly from what I've seen of Ramsdale, that he would ever challenge for that. Um, and particularly this season, as we've not got European football, we won't, we're only going to have the, the the Premier League and then the domestic cups. So I can only really see Ramsdale starting in the sort of early stages of the domestic cups. So I guess I'm not thinking he's going to play too much for me to have to have a a, a sort of judgment on him. But for the fee that he is, for the position that he's going to be in, I I don't really see um, any value in that necessarily compared to other people we could have got for that price, I reckon. Yeah, it seems a very strange move, especially when you had Martinez previously and sold him on as like your second goalkeeper. But... It's like you said, should be spending that elsewhere. Like there's a lot of other positions you need to strengthen rather than having a backup goalkeeper for is it about twenty million, fifteen million they reported. So it seems a strange one yeah, to me. Potentially more. And I think yeah, like like right back to position we need to kinda of lock down. We've got we've mm. been sort of messing around with who we've got there. Bellerin looks like he might be on his way out. We've got Chambers playing there at the moment, he's not really a proper right back. Um that's the situation we need to sort. We've got, yeah, there's lots of areas on the pitch we need to address and the number two keeper spending that money on him, I'm not sure is is the main concern. Yeah, I remember before the first podcast, I was going to ask you about Arsenal defenders and FPL, but I'm not thinking about that one for a good time yet after that first performance. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if anyone that's watching the game, like we've already said, Kieran Tierney looks positive. Mm. It's just trying to find the, the best run. We, we do have a good run of fixes roughly coming up sort of game week seven I think onwards so it yeah. may be considering but then the fact that he's a little bit more expensive you, you do wonder 
Um, obviously, a lot of people have White because of his price. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not going to offer much in terms of attacking return. So I think I'd edge towards Tierney. But yeah, but like you say, it's, you can never really trust an Arsenal clean sheet regardless of who we're playing. So <laughs> I, I don't think I'll be going anywhere near. Yeah, not for now at least. So if we go to a more positive result for one of our podcasters... So we go to Sam. What did you think of Liverpool's performance for the first game of the season? Sorry, yeah, I mean, for the first game of the season, it, it's basically all you could really ask for. Uh, three points, clean sheet, get through, no injuries or no more injuries. Um, yeah, I thought I thought Liverpool were really good. Um, I thought Norwich were okay, but they didn't really have too much of a threat. And when they did get in behind with Pukki, just lacked a little bit of composure in the quality of their finishing. Um, I thought Liverpool were good. I think they did what they needed to do to get the result. I don't think they were anywhere near first gear. Um, so good to see Virgil van Dijk back. I thought Trent was outstanding. Defensively, he's been criticised for a large period of time now. Um but I thought he looked like he'd been in the gym. Um, he defended super well. Um, Salah looked sharp. Mane looked really fresh, which was encouraging to see because at the end of last season, he was complaining about you know, how he, he didn't really know what was going wrong with his game. Just one of those performances where you, you can't pick too many holes in it. I thought we did look a little bit light in midfield. I think we said that that last week. I'm a little bit disappointed that when Alden moved on in the summer and there wasn't a direct replacement made, um, you know, I don't want to be relying on James Milner too much this season. Um, but, you know, perfect uh, perfect fixture to allow Fabinho to be worked back in after his international uh, escapades. And, uh, yeah, overall, no complaints whatsoever. I thought I thought Norwich were okay. I think they'll, they'll beat some teams, but I don't think from what I saw that they've got that sort of grit about them to... Um, they almost looked a little bit scared to get stuck in, and I think you need that as a newly promoted team. Um, maybe it's a bit of a harsh judgment to measure how they performed against Liverpool on the opening day of the season um, but it only gets more difficult for them with City this week so uh, yeah overall good start for Liverpool not a great start for Norwich but it would have been if Norwich could have got anything out of that game it would have been a miracle and a bonus for them so yeah very happy indeed yeah definitely I think we all put it to Norwich to finish bottom when we did the predictions last seasons and uh, well, last podcast should I say so I don't think it's much a surprise what we saw from them. But obviously, like you said, it's a very difficult to show up in a Liverpool fixture. But if you compare the three promoted sides, they didn't show much. But again, probably playing the best team, aren't they? Because bit, well, I'd say a bit easier to play against Arsenal than Liverpool, but I'm not trying to but, yeah. stab it into Charlie even more there. <laughs> um, so if I touch on, obviously, my side as well, United, which... I'm a bit, obviously it's a great result winning 5-1, but I'm not getting too carried away because how Leeds play, us playing against them suits us very well, and especially not having Phillips in the midfield for them is doesn't help them. So I'm not getting overly carried away with a 5-1. We played some great football, don't get me wrong. Bruno was literally playing like a centre-forward half the time, so him as an FPL asset at the minute is just gold. Like Obviously you can see from his hat-trick anyway, but it wouldn't surprise me if you can match those returns especially in the first few game weeks with your Cavani's and obviously Rashford's out for a few months so it's interesting times I'm seeing I'm interested to see how Sancho will get into there as well what did Charlie what did you make of United at the start of the season in the first game yeah obviously it was a really good um good first performance um 
Pogba and Fernandez just looks absolutely world class. And and I think it is important to say, like you said, that you can't necessarily get carried away with it. I think if you look at so for example, Pogba who he created five chances, four of those were goals. That's not going to be sustainable for the season. Same as Fernandez, he took I think either three or four shots with obviously the three goals. That's never going to keep up, but they are both that level of player, so they can still do something on similar to that level at least for for quite a sustained period. So it was yeah really impressive to see. I think like we said about um, Norwich against Liverpool, I think for Leeds it's a, it's it's going to be harsh to judge them on that game, especially going away to Old Trafford with fans back in, um, playing as, as we saw. I was a bit I wasn't sure how Leeds were going to approach that game because obviously there was the the equivalent game last season where the same sort of thing happened it was very open resulted in a lot of goals um but then there was the other fixture which i think was the one at leeds where it ended nil nil am i right to say yeah that's right yeah um because yeah in, in the sort of back end of their season they sort of seemed to address the fact that they were playing so open and tried to be a bit more compact so i wasn't sure if they're going to try and find somewhere in the middle but obviously it didn't really end up like that but I think the fact, you know, the fact that Leeds didn't have Calvin Phillips probably played a big part. He's clearly instrumental to how Bielsa likes to play and how he sets up the team. So I, th- I thought, yeah, I don't think any Leeds fans will particularly be um, disappointed. Well, maybe of course, of course they'll be disappointed, but won't be feeling too bad after that because they know that the the games that they're going to win are going to come. The, the way they play is always going to result in them winning games um, because they they are the t- kind of team that can blow opponents away but when it's against the teams that are fighting for the title it's obviously going to be a bit different um but yeah I, I did think that when Eiling scored his goal I thought maybe that could be a sort of platform for them to push on a little bit um sort of I quite enjoy that because I I sort of in my younger days used to play as a right back and that's kind of your typical right back goal of just kind of yeah. running in and just absolutely leathering it into the top corner I can't say I I hit the top corner too often myself but yeah, it, it, I, I did think that might see a bit of a comeback from them. But yeah, I think it was a very professional job from Man U. Absolutely locked it down. There's been a lot of talk about how Pogba and Fernandes, when they play together, sort of impact each other. But this kind of completely put that to bed, I think. Um, Fernandes basically operated more as a second striker and just kind of got on the un- end of everything that Pogba was producing. And some of those passes from Pogba were absolutely glorious. Like... If I think if you saw KDB doing them, people would be talking about them as like the best passes of a season or best assists of a season. But there just seems to be this thing around Pogba that people don't hold him in that high of a regard, which maybe is just down to consistency and things like that. But some of those passes were absolutely world class, and I, like, yeah, it was just um, yeah, good good to watch. After the the tragedy of watching Arsenal, it was actually just nice to see a a good team play well. To be honest. Yeah, I think what you said about Pogba is true. I feel it's a lot around the price tag that was paid for originally and he's not really paid that back. So a lot of people will say, oh, that's what you expect from someone for 90 million. So it's nothing to be surprised of or to be happy about, really. But you can't kind of take that argument so far, really. Yeah. But, but you can't complain at that performance. So we've discussed, I think, about Salah and Bruno. Obviously, they scored a lot of points in the first game week. So I thought that came up with a good question for you both so out of Salah and Bruno who do you think will score the most FPL points this season I'll go to Sam first it's an interesting one for sure um, 
I mean, they're both on penalties, right? So from, yeah. in terms of a goal threat, I think Salah's probably going to score more goals than Bruno this year, even though Fernandez has kicked off with a hat-trick yeah. um, over the course of the season. I still expect Salah to outscore him. Uh, I expect Fernandez will probably get more assists, although I think Salah's numbers for assists are wildly underappreciated. Um, it's an interesting one. I, I think Fernandez might outscore him in terms of uh, the FPL system, how, how the points work. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing them both for for the whole duration of the season. Fernandez was absolutely outstanding as Leeds. Um, Salah was really, really good against against Norwich. If they can keep that level of form up for 38 games, we're going to have a special season. But I, I think it's going to be very close. Um, I think Fernandez might just pip him. Yeah, I think the point that you made when you were discussing Liverpool as well about like Mane looking fresher, you could definitely see that in Bruno the first game because I think especially the second half of last season you could see he just played so many games and he's not had much of a break. He's not particularly had a great break. I think he had about three or four weeks break between the seasons, but having that little break has done in the world of good and hopefully he'll go on a bit of a spurt. Well, hopefully he goes with 38 games, but we'll see. Hopefully he dragged us along. Having said that, I do, I do think they'll both be the two highest point scoring players in FBL by, not by some considerable way, but for sure they'll be the top two highest. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So which way would you call it as well, Charlie, if you was picking the highest scorer? I think I'd go the same. I think, yeah, I think we're probably talking the matter of about 10 points difference or something. It'll be really close, but I think sort of like Sam said, I think FPL is probably geared a little bit more towards Bruno, particularly towards when we're talking about bonus points, because mm. um, I think just this is kind of just really from watching games, at least, or, or from from the way that I see it. Salah seems to take a lot of shots and isn't as clinical as the, the as Fernandez shows us. And obviously, we talk about Fernandez having a lot of goals from penalties, and I think that's more of a trend rather than a, something that's going to sort of even out again, I think, like we talked about before, where we're actually that's just, I think, the down to the way that man you play and, and you just tend to win penalties. You're a team that just does, and, and adding someone like Sancho in is only going to help that. Um, so, I th- yeah, I, I just feel like Fernandez probably edges it, but it's going to be very close, and and I agree with Sam that that's definitely going to be the top two in, in, in the league for... Um, FPL points, unless potentially Kane does get his move. Obviously, he's missed out this first game. If he moves to Man City, I think we're all under the impression that he's got to be a, a, um, an addition to your FPL team because of the number of chances he's going to get. It's just going to be ridiculous. And I think we'll, we'll maybe we'll get onto it, but in terms of the Man City-Tottenham game, I think that's um, the one thing that they were lacking, really, was a, was a clinical striker. They've created lots of chances. They've got all these players that can do that. If they add Kane in, Kane's going to just go go crazy with goals. Yeah, that creates a good link to move on to that game. So you did well there, Charlie. So what did we think of that? I feel it's kind of this typical, well, how Spurs always seem to play against City. They've had quite a good record against City, but playing in that way, they always seem to beat them, especially at home, playing that kind of style where they get them on the counter with Kane and Son. What do we think? Well, I think it a lot depends on if Kane stays or not. What do we... Do we think Spurs could seriously challenge for the top four based on that performance? Or do you think it's just going to be that one game where they've just put in the effort against City and then they'll come unstuck against other teams? What would you say about that, Sam? 
Hey, it's, it's very difficult to say. Uh, I think it's unlikely. I think I, I predicted Spurs to finish sixth this season, I think. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm in no rush to to change that prediction based off one performance against Man City, who, by the way, were absolutely spellbinding for the first 15 minutes of that game. No team in Europe would have got near them. Um, and Spurs just hung on. And then from being spellbinding to just utter naivety from Man City, like, Spurs do the job on them so many times in so many competitions, playing exactly the same way, just set up for the counter, and and City just can't, you know, they, they can't realise it. It's just tactical naivety from one of the most tactically astute managers we've ever seen, really. Um, good for Spurs that they get their first win under Nuno. Um, and no concerns for City, really. Um, I think Norwich might be put to the sword at the weekend, to be perfectly honest. Um, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how Spurs go from here. Um, but Son becomes more of a valuable asset potentially in terms of FPL, I think, if Kane does get the move. Um, so we'll talk about the value of Kane. The value of Son you know, also goes goes skyrocketing if he's going to be playing through probably probably in the nine, I guess, if Kane yeah. does move on. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to see. But the, these kind of games where you get two two big sides going against each other, they don't tend to define the trend of the form of a season for a side. So wouldn't surprise me if Spurs went out and got beat this weekend. Um, but you never know. It's a good result for Spurs. Don't get me wrong. But it's a great result for Spurs. Not many teams are going to beat Man City this year. Um, but yeah, I, I think the result was handed to Spurs, really, rather than Spurs earning it. And that some Tottenham fans might disagree with that. But um, over the balance of play, I think that's probably a fair assessment. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you say that those games between the big teams don't always settle it. So I could use the example where United would beat City last season and then lose to Sheffield United. So you lose any advantage you get from winning that game. And you can see exactly the same happen then to Spurs. They'll mess it up against a lower team, maybe even in the next game. But we'll see how they get along. Was there any particular performance or teams that stood out to you in this game week if i'm asking that question to charlie to start with um yeah i think the newcastle west ham game caught me a bit by surprise to be honest mm. um i think we, we we think about newcastle's trying or, or certainly steve bruce's newcastle trying to be quite defensive and um sitting back so and the fact that it was at newcastle maybe that played a part maybe the fact that the fans were in the stadium kind of push them to be a bit more attacking than normal um but to be honest it made for a really good game obviously they're not going to be happy about it the fact that they end up losing but um when you've got a player like some Maxman in the team it just feels like you kind of should push to play a bit more like that and especially i don't know if you guys saw it but his assist on that first goal was just it <laughs> was great to watch like he's absolutely done i think it was rice that was yeah, um, sat him down a few times him. didn't he <laughs> Yeah, he like he went went one way, went back, went one way, went back. Um, so yeah, it was it was really kind of a, a nice surprise to see them play quite like that. But also, I think that's partly because um, I have Ben Rama and Antonio in my fantasy team, so that kind of opened the door a little bit for West Ham to to come back in, which obviously ultimately they did, scoring um, four goals to get back in it. Um, and yeah, I, again, I think. It's it's nice to see West Ham kind of continue that trend of of their sort of um, progression as a team and and being this quite established 
top half team um, pushing for for the European places. Uh, they're they're definitely going to struggle over the course of this season. Uh, they're they're in the Europa League, am I right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I think. it's Europa League. Yeah, yeah. So they are going to struggle with um, with squad depth and things like that. Basically, only having Antonio as as your your one striker. We've already yeah. talked before about how injury prone he can be. Um, so that they've got to look for signings or, or something just to help them get through that or they just need to kind of completely sack off the Europa League to be honest and just focus on the league um, I, I do just want to quickly go back to, to Tottenham just because I've seen the uh, message in the Twitch chat from our resident Chelsea correspondent <laughs> Peter um, talking about how the fact that Spurs are currently live score update currently losing in their Europa League conference playoff game which is absolute music to my ears um that being said, that that actually might be a good thing if they, if they don't do that, yeah. get through it in that, because then similarly they can just focus on the league as well. Um, but yeah, just quick score update. I just wanted to add that in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought that Newcastle West Ham game was really was a really great watch, um, and particularly seeing Ben Rama come kind of come into this position. He was one that was talked about kind of online on Twitter and stuff about a, a, as a good pick for FPL. Um, and one that went a bit under the radar of the sort of more casual players because he, despite him being talked about a lot on Twitter, he, his ownership percentage at the beginning of the game was actually quite low. Um, so it's good to see him kind of make use of the... He, he had a good pre-season and, and just kind of carry that on into the first game of the league. Um, but there has been some talk about Lingard potentially still moving, which from what I understand, they... They might try and work with Lingard coming through the middle and, and Ben Rama pushing off to the side, which could impact him. But yeah, just all round, a, a great performance from West Ham that I thought. And like I said, that was kind of one that kind of took me by surprise because I was expecting it to be a bit more sort of um, defensive and a, a bit more West Ham trying to break Newcastle down. Whereas because it was so open, it just made for a really a great game to watch. Yeah, I knew it was a risk not having Ben Rama in my team, but then when I saw that he scored a header, that was not the goal I was expecting him to score. I was expecting some lovely passing goal or something from the edge of the box, but typically it had to be a header, the least likely one to happen. But I think yeah, he... no, it, Go on. It, yeah, I was going to say, it just kind of shows that he's he's basically currently taken over that Lingard role of just being that effectively a second striker, playing off Antonio, and that, that exactly that goal you're talking about where... It was Antonio ended up on the left wing, I think it was, and making the cross in for Ben Rama heading it in. So him playing as a ten just works perfectly for for getting that sort of goal threat and and, and chances there, rather than being the assister. He he ends up as the goal scorer. Whereas, um, yeah, like I was saying, if, if Lingard comes in, that probably pushes Ben Rama out and makes makes him more of an assist um, and and creating goals. But um, yeah, it was it was a, a bit of an odd one seeing him seeing um, seeing him head it, but. Yeah, it was, it was good to see anyway. Yeah, I'm sure he was enjoying it when it's back to those points. And he's probably the player making the difference between you two and me in the league, not going to lie. But <laughs> we'll talk about that one shortly. Was there any other results that you was impressed by or games you enjoyed over the weekend, Sam? Uh, yeah, I wasn't, didn't really particularly enjoy it, but I was impressed by Chelsea. I think they put in a really professional performance against Palace and this was the kind of performance that Chelsea were putting in a few years ago when they were just when they were winning leagues, when they were winning trophies left, right, and centre um, that we haven't really seen for Chelsea in a, in a while. And to be honest, didn't even really see from Chelsea last season at all. Um, but just turn up and doesn't matter who they're playing. They just know how they're going to play. They're decisive in what they're trying to do. 
they've got quality in uh, in dead ball areas alongside great free kick and then just they just looked unbeatable against palace at home in my opinion palace weren't great let's let's not beat around the bush but chelsea were very good unfortunately um and uh yeah the, i mean the shock result was probably watford's win against villa um most of us had villa down i think danny ing saved a lot of fpl managers with his 97th minute penalty um good to open his account and uh and get you know his confidence up but Watford looked really good. They looked sharp. They looked completely opposite to Villa, who looked a bit lackluster and a bit leggy. Um, so yeah, I was, I was impressed with Watford. I don't know if they're going to have uh, have that result in them too often. But it's sort of it kind of screams of what Watford were like when they were last in the Premier League. You know, they're able to score goals, but just concede too many goals. You know, they won, they scored three. They still they still conceded two goals against what wasn't a great Villa team on the day. Villa will definitely. Be up and up and around those uh, top half places at the end of the season, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, Chelsea for the professional job, and Watford. Just shout out to them for a a really impressive opening day win against Villa. Really, yeah, you stole my thought there. If you didn't mention it, I was going to mention Watford's result because, well, especially Sar and Dennis. I think Sar was one I was a player I was watching for FPL. Originally, I was going to probably avoid the first few fixtures, but he showed he showed how well he could do in that game, and he's also on penalties as well when they get one, well, usually. So it'll be interesting to see if any of their assets become good value. I don't think particularly outside of Sar and like Dennis that I said, there's no one obvious to date, but it'll be interesting, especially when we get later in the season where you're looking for those cheaper players. Maybe like a bench boost will be an interesting one to go for. So if we just, well, I'm just thinking about that Chelsea team as well. So obviously they were playing so professionally in that game. And then you've also got this thought of Lukaku coming in that team. I feel they could steamroll quite a lot of teams at home. I think that's what Lukaku is in there for those tight games at home. And I'm sure Pete in the Twitch chat will enjoy us commenting a bit more about Chelsea. So just to... Sorry, Will, but just like the, the amount of players that Chelsea also didn't have playing in terms mm. of attacking threat, add Lukaku into that, as you say, you know, they are definitely going to be right in and amongst the mix for, for a large period of the season. Um, and, you know, there, there are going to be teams that when they go, there are going to get turned over. Um, and I think you see that amongst teams that, that really do challenge as, you know, United rolled over Leeds. There's definitely... There's definitely four teams in this league that have got the capability to put a lot of goals past teams if they, if the other team doesn't really turn up and and recognise that they're in for a in for a hard shift. So yeah, it's a it's a scary thought when Chelsea get all their attacking options in somehow, and even if they don't, they can just rotate them week on week. It's going to make it a very exciting league, isn't it? All these attacking talents. So hopefully not too many nil nils. It's going to make for an exciting one. So I think after talking the results, we better review our actual FPL performances for game week one. So I'll start start with the top scorer between us. So we'll go straight back to you, Sam. How? What do you think about your first game week performance? I'm very happy with it. Yeah, obviously very happy with it. Can't uh, can't do much better than top of the league after one week. Um, pleased with the Smikas pick. Um, I was. Very confident, 99% sure he was going to start, and he did. Um, outstanding midfield return. You know, four midfielders in the lowest lowest scoring is eight. Um, is a, is a pretty good week when, when that happens. Um, got lucky with the Ings penalty, uh, but you could say 
maybe that's counteracted with the stat anomaly that Tony only didn't have a shot for Brentford. So, you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of players that have done well this game week, but yeah, obviously very, very happy. Couldn't really have asked for a better start. Yeah, just for perspective, if you listen to the podcast, so Sam got 111 points in the game week with the strong midfield contributions of Salah, Greenwood, Fernandes and Ben Rama. I don't think it could have gone much better with the midfield there. And well, yeah, uh, I think went for the last minute change of uh, uh, last on last week's pod. I said one of the players to watch for game week one was Smith Rowe. Um, mm. And, and I, I stand by it. I think he was one of the players to watch. I think he was definitely outstanding value of 5.5. Um, but when, you know, I was just listening to the fact that Cavani was probably not going to play, it became more and more likely that Greenwood was going to be in an advanced position. Um, he just seemed like a bit more of a a sensible pick. Um, so, yeah, last minute change to Greenwood worked out well. And then I was flipping a coin until the deadline with Ben Rama and Rafinha settled with Ben Rama and uh, that worked out as well so no doubt there's an element of an element of luck in in this but yeah please particularly with the defense the forward line Fernandez and Salah are just bankers um yeah overall really really good week yeah I think as I mentioned a bit earlier that the difference between me and you so I got 101 points we've got a very similar setup but the main part was in the midfield with the Ben Rama because I had Barnes instead so that's a nine-point swing there that kind of makes up the whole difference between us. So you can see how much that one pick can change a game week. Because, well, I think especially at this stage of the season, a lot of teams are very similar in kind of template teams. So I'm looking forward to over the next few weeks with the transfers and different strategies to see how the teams are going to change. So how did you feel about your game week as well then, Charlie? Another impressive score. Was it 105 yours? 106. Come on, let's uh, get every, close. every point counts. Can make a difference at <laughs> yeah. the end. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't be disappointed with with anything in that range. So, yeah, pleased with that. Similarly, I had a, a, a last minute sort of dilemma, um, which actually I didn't end up going through with. But I, I, I kind of made the decision at exactly half past, so it didn't end up going through. I was considering getting Greenwood in for Rafinha um, because I knew I was going to put Rafinha on the bench this week or, or you know, like the week just gone. Um, and it did feel a bit like, well, if I'm going to put a 6.5 on the bench, why don't I just actually bring in a 7.5 starter who who could do well? Um, but, you know, in the end, I'm still happy. that That's the team I kind of planned for for the last kind of two weeks leading up to the deadline. So I, I still feel happy with, with that. And obviously, as I say, the, the, the score I got, I can't really be disappointed. Um, the goalkeeper situation is is an interesting one because I don't feel like really there's anyone. I, I'm someone that always only wants to go with a four point five as my as my starting keeper, and then the four point zero as the backup. And I don't feel like there's really any options. Um, obviously you've got Sanchez and Backman, who's the one I think you've got, haven't you? Will? Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like either of them are going to do particularly well. So I'm I'm kind of just now sort of disregarding that position. Maybe on the wild card, whenever that comes, think about it again. But I'm, I'm just kind of expecting two points every week, and anything more is is a bonus. I don't feel like either of them are going to particularly make lots of saves, and at the moment, it looks like they're not going to make lots of, get lots of clean sheets either. Um, so yeah, that position I'm kind of completely disregarding. Um, I'm quite pleased. So I, I, I've gone with Trent Shaw and Dina as my kind of main defensive picks, and then I had Simicast as well. Um, 
I'm kind of quite pleased with the general look of them. Obviously, they're all quite attacking. Um, Simakas eventually will drop out when when the time comes. Um, and then, yeah, similar similar midfield to Sam, although I've got Barnes instead of Greenwood, um, who's who's kind of on my mind. So I know we'll talk about transfers later. He's kind of on my mind because I do have 0.5 in the bank, which I don't normally do at the beginning of seasons. I don't normally leave any money in the bank because it just kind of feels right when you've got all of your money on the team. Um but there's the potential currently to do Barnes to Greenwood if I wanted to. But I'm kind of of a mind to just, I need to just leave it and, and leave the transfer. Barnes has got a, a decent enough run of fixtures. They're playing um, West Ham and I think that game will be quite open. And then they're going to go away to Norwich. So I feel like I've kind of just got to leave him and, and trust that, you know, I, I put him in there for a reason and I've just got to let that play out, especially at least until Norwich. Um and then, yeah, the same as quite a lot of people going with Ings and Antonio up front, which obviously was a a good um, points haul for them both. Yeah, I think all three of us have got the Ings and Antonio, but then me and Sam have the Tony alongside, which didn't particularly go that well this week. But I think it's similar to Barnes. I've looked at Barnes fixtures and there's no way I'm getting rid of him before that Norwich fixture. And then Tony's got a decent run as well. So at this point in time, there's not a lot of... Unless you go for like an obvious one with Ben Rama, but then it's if he's going to perform that way every week. I think those like two midfielder slots, those mid-range midfielders are the ones where there's a lot of opinions and you can go different ways, as you can see. Well, I think we've all got the same combination of the three, but like Ben Rama, Greenwood and Barnes, but we've all got two of two different ones. And that's basically the difference between our scores. So that was interesting to see there. The only other issue I had with my team was Bertrand contracting COVID literally a few days before the season started, so not an ideal start. I was looking forward to him playing left-back and potentially being on set pieces to get a bit of returns, but it's not a fire I need to instantly burn out, I don't think, so we'll, we'll think about that over the next few weeks if he comes back strong from COVID. But I think overall we're all quite happy with the performances, I was just looking at Sam's overall rank where that sits him. So he's at 42,000 and he's 111. So I'm sure he's not going to complain about that start. So I think we're done about talking about game week one. So as a break between game week one and game week two, we're going to do FPL quiz time. So a slightly different format compared to last time. For the first few weeks, I'm going to have to do, be doing it on stats from last season until we get some stats for this season. So I'll apologise for that the first few weeks. But this week, we're going to do... So based on the FPL points every player scored last season, we're going to do higher and lower. So I'm going to give you a player. You need to tell me if... So I'll tell you the first player's points, and then you, when I give you the second player, you have to say higher or lower, and you'll get a point every time you get one right. Does that make sense? Is that, is that yep, correctly, yep, or are we up against each other again? You're against each other, so because Sam won last week, I'm going to give Charlie the chance to go first, and you get the choice if you want midfielders or defenders. Um, and we're talking total FPL points, right? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I would be more likely to remember goals and assists than I would clean sheets and things like that. So I'm probably going to go midfielders then. Okay. So we will start you with James Ward-Prowse, who last season scored 156 points. 
So here's your starting player, and I want you to tell me if Neto for Wolves scored higher or lower than 156. Okay. Um, the benefit of doing this way around, I can talk aloud my uh, my my thoughts. Yeah. Um, I feel like Neto was didn't play all of last season. I feel like there was some periods of injury. I do remember Wolfpass being quite good, and 150 is pretty decent for that range. I'm going to go Neto's lower. Yeah, that's correct. Neto got 124 points. So that's one point for you. I completely embarrassed myself then. No, <laughs> good start. So you're now on Neto of 124 points. Did James Rodriguez get higher or lower than 124 points? Oof. I mean, I, my first instinct is higher because he started so well, but then obviously kind of tailed off a little bit. Um, I'm just going to go higher because that was my instinct. No, it was actually lower, 101. I was surprised what? how low it actually was. Because <laughs> I think oh he had like God. a good three or four weeks and then really never got back to that form. Ugh. Sounds like Everton in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, that's embarrassing. Well, we're going to do all the higher and lowers, so I'll give you a score out of five okay. when we get to the end, so I'm not going to stop you there. So, okay, cool. James Rodriguez got 101. So, did Adam Armstrong from Southampton get higher or lower than 101? Adam Armstrong? Isn't he the guy that just joined? From the Is it Adam Armstrong? So... Is that his first name for Southampton? Do you mean the other? There's another Armstrong, it, isn't there? Don't you mean the other Stuart? one? Is it Stuart? Oh, is it Stuart? You can. Apologise. Yeah, I wasn't doing first names very well there, was I? Um, so Stuart Armstrong, did he get? Yeah, it is Stuart. Than... Apologise for my initial there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stuart Armstrong. I do seem to remember his name coming up on the notifications quite a lot. I mean, he's never someone that I've ever picked in my team, but I do just mm. seem to be seem to remember him popping up quite a lot in notifications. So I'm going to, considering I thought, considering Rodriguez was so low, I'm going to have to go higher. Yeah, that is correct. He got 115, so 14 more. I think I'm going to revert to not saying first names now, so I'd kind of be ruined through that. <laughs> So Armstrong got 115. So did Glick for Leeds get higher or lower than 115? Um, it must be lower, surely. He barely did anything that I can think of, fancy-wise. So yeah, it must be lower. Yeah, it was 99. I think he did score a few goals, like coming in on the edge of the box. And I think he took a few penalties at the same time. So I was trying to throw you off a slightly because <laughs> see where it went with that. So, so my lack of knowledge actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Glick got 99. So your last one is compared to Ruben Neves, higher or lower? Not prolific, but obviously does have the license to bang an absolute banger. It's going to be close, I'm sure. Um, again, I feel like Neves is one that hasn't or doesn't play the whole season. Um, I think because of the potential for him to 
score more, I probably would edge it with Neves. So I'm going to go Neves has higher. Yep, 104. So five more than Glick. So you got four out of five. You did well. It was just the Hamid Rodriguez tripping you up. Recovered. I recovered my position. Yeah, you did well. You didn't bottle it as we went on. <laughs> right, so we move over to Sam with defenders. So for the purpose of this, I'm classing Dallas as a defender. So we're going to start on Stuart Dallas, who scored 157 points. So is what the points that Digne scored higher or lower than 157? I think uh, Digne scored less than Stuart Dallas. That's correct. Was being revising again. Well, Dallas was the yeah, yeah, he was the, the, man, he was the man, wasn't he? So <laughs> wasn't gonna. It was gonna take something pretty special to go against that. Yeah. So Dinier got 120 points. So would you say Kufal was higher or lower than that amount? Than Dinier. Yeah, on 120. Uh, higher. So you think Kufal was higher? I think Kufal was higher. Yeah, it was higher by eight points, so he was 128. Okay. Right, so Jon Kufal 128 was yeah. a was ailing higher or lower than 128 from Leeds. Ailing, 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 ailing. Okay. I think I think I'm gonna say lower, but I'm just gonna have a think. I can't. Dallas would have got a majority of the points. A lot of clean sheets, but a lot of Dallas's points came from assists and goals. Leeds didn't keep too many clean sheets. What am I going? What was the score? One twenty-eight. Yeah, from Kufal. I think Ailing was lower. Must be. Yeah, that's correct. Only a hundred. So I don't, didn't. Oh wow! I thought, it was, I thought it was going to be higher than that. To be fair. Yeah, because I don't Famous think he scored. Didn't get any goals. Yeah, he didn't get any goals at all last season. and has got the first game away at Old Trafford this season. Super So you're on Ailing at 100 points. So is Seamus Coleman higher or lower? Wow. There's one. <laughs> um. Well, I feel like Coleman spent most of the season injured. <laughs> So I'm going to have to go lower. It is lower with 81, which is surprisingly yeah. close to Aileen, which surprisingly. Yeah, but Coleman was injured for a majority of the season. Ed, Everton had the young lad playing at, at right back. I can't remember his name. It's like Gordon or something. I think. Yeah. So um, you're on Seamus Coleman with 81. Yeah. So Semedo, fullback for Wolves, high roll lower than 81. Crikey. <laughs> Oh, I have no idea. Semedo. I don't even know at what frequency he played. This is, I'm just going to say, this, is, this will win you the round if you get this one, right? This is going to be like really close one way or the other. It's definitely, he, he definitely didn't go over 100 points. But I can't like envisage ever seeing Semedo in the conversation for any possible teams to be picked this year. And that leads me to think that I know he was injured for a little while, but was he injured enough? 
I'm going lower. Lower than 81 for Coleman. Yeah. It was higher. Oh. Unfortunately, it was like the injury contest there, so Samedo got a lot oh. more minutes. So, unfortunately, oh, you get one wrong, so you tied the first round. You're not allowed to tie every, you're not allowed to tie the first, every round every again. Time. <laughs> Luckily, I've got a round two, so... <laughs> um, right, so I'll let Sam choose if you want goalkeepers or strikers. Oh, uh, I will have goalkeepers, please. Right, so we're going to do exactly the same. So I'm going to start you on Casper Smeichel, who scored 128 points. Would you say Jordan Pickford was higher or lower than 128? Old T-Rex. <laughs> I think it was lower. Just because I think Schmeichel was right up there. Um, yeah, outside that, of that's Edison correct. He got 114. So you're on 114 with Pickford. Would you say Sanchez for Brighton was higher or lower than 114? Uh, keepers are harder than I thought they were going to be. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised he went for them. Yeah, now they're going to strike. Sanchez, Sanchez, um, Sanchez didn't even start. Brighton started with Matty Ryan, I think, in goal. Or maybe he'd gone to Arsenal at that point, I'm not sure. I think lower based on minutes. That's correct. Well, I think that minutes one makes a big difference because I think people would have thought Sanchez was quite high scoring because a lot of people yeah. have got him in the teams this season, but he got 101 points, just broke the 100 mark. So okay. you're on 101 with Sanchez. We're going to go to McCarthy for Southampton. Higher or lower than 101? McCarthy, McCarthy, McCarthy. Well, it's basically in for a majority of the start of the season and then forced to sort of... They started doing their funny rotating thing. 101 was the previous one, right? Yeah, for Sanchez. I don't know if McCarthy would have got over 100 points, but he was selected by a lot of people. I'm going to go higher for McCarthy. I think he would have just... Tim, it's going to be close. It's either going to be like 95 or 105 or something like that. It's 90, 94, so it was <sighs> lower, unfortunately. Done. Hey ho. <laughs> and Pete has put an interesting fact in the comments as well that Southampton didn't give a single clean sheet in the second half of the season. Oh, well, that's about five seconds too late. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. Right, so you're on McCarthy with 94. So David De Gea. Higher or lower? De Gea. Well, Henderson was... I mean, De Gea spent a lot of time... I feel like he was injured again. I feel like everyone's just injured. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't like, select like a salad out of favor as well. Out of favour for a while. And Dean Henderson had a run at the end of the season. But I feel like when, Man when Manchester United were in questionable form, probably wasn't when De Gea was between the sticks. I think lower for De Gea. That's correct. 91 compared to 94. All right. So you're on De Gea at 91. This is your last one. Cool. 
So Guayata from Crystal Palace. I roll over uh, 91. Crikey. Guayata. Well, I mean, based on the logic that De Gea only played half the games, I guess Guayata has to be. Is it how do you say it? Guayata. Yeah, Guayata. You probably say it better than I do. I feel like he has to be higher, but I'm not 100% sure just yet. I'm just going through the logic. De Gea, uh, De Gea definitely, pro uh, definitely probably. <laughs> De Gea <laughs> probably played less games or less minutes. Guaita would have been Palace's number one. So unless he was injured or suspended, I can't really see too many other people having got minutes. So I guess we'd go higher. That's correct. 124. So it, there was about 30 odd points between them, and it's using your logic logic of a lot more minutes there. Yeah. So you were correct. Okay, so cool. you did get four out of five. You recovered it well, kind of like Charlie in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. So Fair play for getting four of those. Goalkeepers <laughs> is tough. Yeah, I, can't, thought, can't I, I thought goalkeepers was going to be so easy until we said the first one. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> what a bad I had to go for like, the mid range ones, like we were dipping between the 100 yeah, mark course. to make yeah. it interesting. Because I yeah, think yeah. you guys might have revised over 100, so I couldn't have used, reused them again. Oh, no, I deleted that spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> right, so move on to strikers for Charlie. So we're going to start on Ignacio, who scored 110 points. So on that 110 points, going to compare that to Richarlison, would you say he got higher or lower than 110? No. That's interesting because... I don't feel like he actually played the whole of the season. Obviously, he had a great stretch of being really good and being in basically everyone's teams. But did he do enough in that? I'm assuming Richardson must have played pretty much all the games except for any injury or something. How many did he uh, actually did you say? 110. 10. I think based on that logic, I've got to go with Richardson having more. So I'm going to go Richardson as higher. Yeah, 123. So 13 more. Good logic again. So you're 123 with Richarlison. So we're going to go to an old United player with Danny Welbeck. Higher or lower than 123? Now, my, my instinct is lower. And I think he only joined... Did he only join Brighton in the second half of the season? Maybe? But And obviously he had like a couple of games where it was like... He was their goal scorer, but that's only because they didn't score many. So he must be lower. Got to be lower. It is lower, yeah. Only 89. Yeah. I can't remember if he signed at that point or just injured as usual. Could have been yeah, either. Yeah, I don't really remember. He, he, yeah, he doesn't make a, a lot of noise, where, depending. Yeah, so you're on 89 with Welbeck. So your next player is Che Adams, higher or lower than 89. I mean, by any logic, I'm going to have to go higher but I'm assuming the fact that Chad Adams isn't a great finisher does factor in but we're talking about Adams against Welbeck here so it's got to be higher <laughs> yeah it is higher <laughs> so 137 quite a big gap between those two so you're on Chad Adams with 137 would you say Danny Ings is higher or lower instincts is higher because that's not my answer yet I'm still going to think it through um <laughs> 
because I had Ings most of the season, I didn't have Che Adams. So I would take from that that Ings must have scored more. Um, I know Adams was cheaper last season, so I think that's the only reason why some people went for him. I think I'm going to go with Ings as being higher. That's incorrect. Oh, Danny really? Ings, 131. Oh, the door is open. That one was Adams the, Adams was 137, so Ings was oh, six so lower. Interesting. I yeah, yeah I, I made the well bet one of... a bit easier because I knew there was a hard one coming up. So yeah. <laughs> when I looked at that, I didn't think that was correct. But Yeah, I guess I think Adams played basically all the games, whereas I guess Ings probably had to stretch out. Yeah, he had a lot of injuries, and the actual like contributions between them wasn't that different, and obviously a lot more minutes. I think Ings. I had... thought this was a con when I was hearing Danny Welbeck. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you did have Seamus Coleman. He played like five games. In a minute. Coleman played like five games. <laughs> I think you need to. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't worry. I threw one in there to make it more difficult. Yeah. Right, so make or break on the last one. If you get this right, it's another tie. So <laughs> I've got I've got a few tiebreaker questions at the end, but you'll probably still draw on them anyway. So right, so you're on Danny Ings at 131. So would you say Cavani was higher or lower than 131? Um, again, this is, I'm talking out loud here, but it's got to be lower because he only joined second half of the season. Um, did do well. But yeah, surely didn't play as much, so he's got to be lower. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah, I think he ended up scoring about ten goals, which is quite good for the end of the season. So yeah, I mean nine nine to nine—that's pretty good for someone that's only had half a season. Yeah, right. So now we have to do some kind of tiebreaker here. So <laughs> again, so I've got the four highest assisting midfielders in FPL from last season so we're going to go back to how we started before so Charlie you're going to guess first so I've got the top four assisting players here I'm hoping one of you is going to fall flat on your face here as the tiebreaker question here so I just need you to name Charlie one of the four highest assisting midfielders just midfielders from last season okay. So I can. I just, it doesn't have to be any order. I can just go any one of the four. As long as they're in the top four, that's fine. Okay, I'm going to assume Mr. Bruno Fernandez. He's in the top four. Yes. I'm not going to give away where. Well, I'll, I'll let Sam guess, and then I'll give away where he was in the top four. So Eight. Sam. So it was in the top four assisting. Could you give me someone outside of Bruno? For a slightly more outside the box option with James Ward Prowse. That's very outside the box, and unfortunately, it's lost you the game. No, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. I'm putting him top four. This is Ward Prowse. I know he did well, but Ward Prowse. Southampton pretty much only scored when he took the corner. <laughs> well, it didn't score for Yeah, but still, Southampton scored. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, I, I can I can do a VAR for you to double check, but I'm pretty sure. How he's about not. can I can I try, have a crack at another one or another couple? So Ward Prowse um, got seven assists. Is that not top four? Nope. Oh, Salah's in there, isn't he? Nope. No, I don't think Salah a lot. KDB must be. He's always up there. Yeah. So Bruno was top with fourteen. 
KDB uh, was joint second with 12. Oh, oh no, I was thinking of... Yeah, no, go on. The, the other one, I'm assuming, because so much was... Uh, no, um, Fernandez can't be top. Didn't um, Kane won both the golden boot and golden... He's, he's this is the midfielders. Oh, midfielders, of course, yeah. Um, good thing I didn't say Kane earlier then. <laughs> what, about, what, about, what about Son? Yeah, no. Up there. Really? No. Um, I think the, the uh, I'd have been in big trouble. I'd have been in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> There's one play for Leeds. One must play. One for does Leeds. play for Leeds. Yes. Oh, then Rafinha. Yeah, Rafinha was fourth with ten. Oof. So you're missing joint with KDB on twelve. Play for City. He didn't last season. Oh, Grealish then. Yeah, Grealish. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really get on that one. Yeah. I mean, the same son in the chat as well, but I'll confirm to you how many sons. Oh, son mate, have. I can't have. Oh, Prowse. I thought what, that was on what, the money. What was happening there? What I thought Prowse? that was on the money. Well, in fairness, oh, well. I'm glad I didn't get to a tiebreaker because Son actually had more than Rafinha, but you can ignore that one because you still got it wrong. So if you got Son, you would have VAR'd me wrong there. So. Well, that would have been awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll give you that one for a <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, War Prowse definitely wasn't in the top four. Fair enough. Yeah, so you won one, so you both won one set. I'll be nice. back next week to retain the crown. <laughs> return, return the not, crown. Not with picks like War Pass, you won't be. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was a bit. No worries. No worries. Right, so we'll yeah, move we'll, on. We'll be back. We'll be back. Yeah, we'll forget about that happened, Sam, with a War Pass shout. We might bring it on next time, but when you win. I don't think we should forget. I, I, I think that's. I, I feel like that is an honourable shout. Yeah. We should get a, half a point for War Pass, I think. I disagree with half a point, but I mean, fair play for going someone outside of the box. Yeah. But I think that was just too far out. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Well, we'll leave you with that thought and we'll move on to game week two. As I feel like I keep taking ages on those quizzes and it takes the time up, but it's enjoyable at least. So, looking at game week two, guys, is there a certain fixture within the game week two that you think is going to be? a high FPL scoring match and the one either you'll be targeting or you wish you was targeting for the next week. So I'll start with Charlie as you won the quiz. Yes, this is my prize. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess from a point of view of wishing I had, but then obviously the, re the, the reason I haven't is quite clear, is the Man City Norwich game. I think that, that if, if you were to take everything else out of the equation that would be the one everyone would target because it feels like the easiest chance of a complete turnover. Um, the, the problem FPL-wise is obviously the rotation and who's going to start for Man City. I think you could probably have a crack at if you've got the likes of Mares, you'd probably be okay th thinking he's probably going to start. Um, and so, so I think that's going to be like an obvious one for, I, I can see loads of goals in that, but because no one else, no one's really going to have many of their players if, if, if any, um, and then we'll probably come on to it in the captaincy section, but I, I think both the Liverpool, Burnley, Southampton, Man U games have big chances of of a large number of goals. There's, there's, and it's been. I'm kind of transitioning too quickly into the captaincy section, but there's been some talk about how it's Burnley, the, like for the Liverpool game, and it's Burnley, and and they like to be quite defensive, and it could be tough to break them down. But actually, the the head to heads between Liverpool and Burnley aren't actually that low scoring. There's, there's quite a lot of goals between the two. 
and mainly on the Liverpool side and obviously it being back at Anfield as well with the fans in like Sam was saying earlier how, how big a difference that makes particularly for Liverpool um, I feel like yeah both both those two games Liverpool Burnley and Southampton Man U as well will be really high scoring as well yeah I think Burnley are a different team if they're at home or away they're a lot easier to get out when you're playing them well I think Liverpool actually lost to them at Anfield last season but that last season Liverpool was a lot different to this season so I think especially in FPL that Man City fixture is like the golden fixture you'd normally be looking at but I wouldn't be ripping your team apart to get a Man City player in there. If you've got, if you started the season like a Mares or someone, then there's no reason you wouldn't start them in there. But I wouldn't be ripping your team up to get someone in there because knowing your luck, you'll rip the team up and then they'll get benched anyway. If you can predict Pep Roulette, you're better than most of us. So fair play if you get that one right. I do like a... win the whole win the whole game if you could predict <laughs> yeah. choices. Yeah, definitely. I do like the look of some of their assets. Like I mentioned, Mares. I like Farron Torres gets in good advanced positions. He really he had a good chance against Spurs. Should have done better with it. So if I was going for someone for City, it would probably be Farron Torres. I think he's seven million as well, so he's in that bracket where you can quite easily move between the midfielders. But yeah, I think we'll move on to the United and Liverpool fixtures slightly in a second after we mention what Sam thinks if there's any fixtures we should be really targeting outside of those three for game week two yeah i don't think so i don't think outside of those three there's too many fixtures that would warrant you to bring someone in if you haven't already got them in um i mean villa at home to newcastle potentially back them to turn turn the situation around really potentially juicy fixture with west ham against leicester that mm. looks like it could be a, a good game but maybe not a good game for fpl who knows? Um, but I certainly won't be uh, won't be making too many changes. Um, I wouldn't recommend making too many changes. But yeah, obviously, City will probably want a reaction at home against Norwich, and uh, they've probably got the perfect opponent to get it. So uh, I think the City fixture is the one for the points. What do we think about Spurs against Wolves? I'm just thinking about some kind of how we've seen him play in the first fixture and I feel like Wolves could be a fixture you'd get out. Are you are you scared not having Son in your team for the game week? And and yeah. also obviously Nuno coming back to to Wolves yeah. as well, which would be interesting. Um I, I think the Man City game definitely put me off of, off even look, thinking about Son, which obviously has come back to bite me anyway because he scored. Um I'm just a bit concerned at the fact that they're going to be so reliant on him. And normally, if, if it was a cheaper option, I'd probably actually target those kinds of players because you feel like everything's going to go through them. So you would think if Spurs are going to score, it's going to be him. Um, I'm just too hesitant to, to go for them just because of the unknown, because of the new manager, because they're so reliant on him. And we're not sure what's going on with Harry Kane. Uh, I've just kind of stayed away. But absolutely, he's he's a potential option to... And I think the next what, three games or so are a decent one to target if you want to go that way. I would probably tend to disagree with that a little bit. Actually, I think it's I think it's way too early on Son to call whether or not it's a viable asset. It really, literally, just depends on what happens with Kane. Um, but you know, Watford, it's not it's not an amazing. Uh, sorry, Wolves is not an amazing fixture. Um, but you know, a couple of fixtures down the line: um, Chelsea, Arsenal, Villa at home in in three back to back game weeks. You know. Are we really banking on Son to get a hatful of points in those fixtures? Maybe, maybe not. I know he's got Watford at home the week next week and then Palace away. 
Um, but just checking the fact that FPL, FDR can be really, uh, really helpful in helping you plan who you're going to bring in, who, who you're not going to bring in. I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I think Wolves, Wolves were underwhelming against Leicester. Let's, let's be realistic. Um, and it's their first home game of the season. They might, they might put out a different kind of performance with a different level of intensity. So I don't expect Spurs to get an easy ride uh, at Wolves, to be honest. I don't expect it to be a particularly high score scoring game either that's the other thing to factor in as well because the fact the fact that so I, I can't remember the exact um stats on it but f- last season for the first time i think either ever or just in a very long time on average the away teams won more than the home teams which obviously we can put down to the fact that there were no home, no fans in the stadium um and already from last week we've seen a, an, an instant turnaround of, of the impact of home fans um so yeah, that's probably just something else to to consider. The fact that, like Sam was saying, like the the impact of of home fans is is going to be a big one and should probably play. I don't think it, it's going to be a main thing to think about, but maybe when you're sort of tossing up between two, two different players or who to bench and things like that, that that could be something an, an extra thing to help you decide between certain players is is whether or not they're playing at home or away. Yeah, I think it's a very key thing we need to kind of remember because like a season, well, season and a half, we've not really been thinking about that home advantage as much because of the lack of crowd so it's going to make a bigger impact i also wanted to mention leeds playing their first game at home and obviously they came up last season had a whole season where they didn't have a crowd so i can just imagine that crowd's going to be ridiculous actually seeing them play premier league football and i could see everton getting a bit scared and like they could hang on everton but i could see that being an entertaining game and decent for fpl points i'm not sure about defenders but I'm interested to see how that game to the game goes. It could be one of the more, more exciting over the weekend, along with the last. Be wary with be wary with backing against Benitez, particularly <laughs> in away fixtures. Yeah, be uh, be wary with it. It is still. It I, is I agree still, with you. I was going to say it's, it, it is still Sorry. early. It is still early, so maybe that has an impact. And and if this game had been played in in a few months or something, then maybe we'd see something different. But I do tend to agree that. I've actually had to make this exact sort of. I had to go down this exact um, sort of decision-making path of. I've got both Rafinha and Dina, and I'm probably going to be starting one and benching the other. At the moment, I'm mm. just favouring Rafinha as the attacker, and like you're saying, Will, that they're at home and Everton last year certainly were were not great defensively. Obviously, the Benitez, as you say, Sam, the Benitez factor is going to be a big one. It's it's how quick that's going to be a big big factor. The I don't know if you saw the goal they conceded was absolutely ridiculous from Keane. Yeah. The, he, he just stayed, basically just took way too much time on the ball and just tried to be too clever with it. Um, and they do have that in them. And um, we've seen and, and said quite a lot about how Pickford, obviously for England, seems to do really well. But at Everton, there just seems to be a completely different player there. And he just seems to make a lot of very silly mistakes when he plays for Everton. Um so I think there's yeah definite opportunity, and that's why I'm pro- almost certainly now going to be going Rafinha over Dina in my starting lineup. Yeah, I think he's definitely got to make that defence more solid, hasn't he? Like you said about Pickford, I think in the last preseason friendly against United as well, he made an error with Dina to let Greenwood in to score. So I get what is that quick you say about Pickford is a bit. I don't I don't understand what it is, but he had a really good Euros, but he just can't bring that back to Everton. I think Everton are going to be an interesting one to watch, to be fair, because I watched that first game and there was a clear just cross-on-site policy and that made Calvert-Lewin and the wingers 
actually interesting options alongside Richarlison as well. So if you've got a good run of fixtures, Everton, it's not a bad one to target. I'm looking at Calvert-Lewin a bit further down the line. Well, it is obviously a good option usually, but they seem to be focused on a lot, just banging in those crosses. I think you also mentioned earlier in the season about the midfielders, especially Townsend and Damari Gray are at 5.5 each, and they should be the ones providing the crosses. So they're not bad, cheap options for an Everton, if you're targeting Everton as well. So Charlie touched on it around the captaincy. I think the obvious question to ask you both is, is it Salah or Bruno you're captain? I think you can have differentials to that, but where are you both going if we start with you, Sam? I think through... It was quite interesting to see, like you said, Fernandez basically playing as a centre-forward for United against uh, against Leeds for large portions of the game. I've gone for Fernandez this week as my captaincy pick, which is... There aren't many weeks when I don't captain Salah, um, but I have gone for Fernandez just because I feel like at home... The goals for Liverpool tend to be much more evenly distributed across that front three when they play at Anfield than they do away from home. Um, and yes, you, you touched on it that Salah doesn't have an amazing record against Burnley. I wouldn't put too much weight on that. I think Liverpool being back at home in front of the fans, I can't see anything but a Liverpool win. Um, but Fernandez looked unbelievably sharp in the first game week, um, particularly if he's got Pogba Greenwood, you know, in and around him, um, creating creating these kind of chances. I, I have just gone for Bruno this week. Um, I think Southampton was really poor against Everton. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've just gone for Bruno. What about you, Charlie? Um, I'm I'm very fifty fifty. Um, so actually, the fact that we've just got a Liverpool fan saying going with Fernandez over Salah yeah. may actually sway me. Um, but I, I think. Ultimately, I don't think you can go wrong with either because I I can't see any reason why both of them won't score. Um, I think the points for Fernandez, as Sam was saying, obviously that he he looked so good in that last game, whereas Salah looked good but didn't look as like electric as as Fernandez did. And I think also the opposition as well makes a difference. And despite like like I said earlier, but Burnley the games between Liverpool and Burnley do still end up with goals in them. We still expect Burnley, particularly in an away match, to to set up to try and be more defensive and compact and sort of four four two behind the ball or four four one one. Whereas Southampton and the style of play, I feel like it could be sort of replicant of the um, of the Newcastle game. This this game we just gone where they're at home, and I think that will actually negatively impact them because I think it will try and encourage them forward and to attack more, which is exactly what Manu would want. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 probably still not going to make my mind up until the last minute, um, really, because I can see the benefits of both. But yeah, I, I think I think my heart wants me to go with Bruno Fernandez because I think that's the more risky pick in terms of your shooting for more goals, and I feel like Salah's a bit more safe, and I think you can probably just get you can sort of guarantee yourself a, a goal with Salah, um, but a potential sort of explosion of points with with Fernandez. So I think. Yeah, I'm. I'm still not. Still not sure at this point. But if if I want to go for it, I'll probably go Fernandez. If I want to be safe, I'll go Salah. I'm going to confuse you even more. Then, so you've got the Liverpool fan going for the United player. So I'm the United <laughs> fan going for the Liverpool player. So I'm currently on Salah. I think it's just kind of what you said—the guarantee of points. I feel 
Bruno, I think I'll still get points. But I think, because I've got Greenwood as well, that I'm going to get the coverage from United via Bruno and Greenwood. Because what I saw from United is obviously Bruno got quite far forward, but it's because everyone was rotating positions. So I'm hoping that Greenwood's going to get some of that benefit at the same time. So having both of them is going to get me a spread of the points from them both to kind of neutralise that captain from Salah. But... That's the thinking. It doesn't mean it's going to change. And I wasn't expecting to both say you'd go for Fernandez when we came onto this. I thought it would be maybe 2-1 to Salah, but I wasn't expecting to be the one fighting Salah's corner. <laughs> um, but I think, I think the, the thing with Liverpool at home is you get a lot more of that fluidity you were talking about mm -hmm. with Manchester United at home last week when when they're at home, when they've got that crowd support behind them, when they've, they're familiar with the turf they're playing on quite literally. Um Mane, if he goes for Firmino or Jota, there'll be so much interchanging between all of them that they'll appear in, in all kinds of positions. But when, when you're away, you, you're often going for a certain more regimented approach. I just feel Bruno has to be at the heart of that Manchester United approach of, of how you're going to beat any team this season. Um, has to be basically through Fernandes. Um, whereas with Liverpool, it's going to be a case of get the ball to one of the front three. With United, it's how can we make Bruno as, as influential on the game as possible. Um, I think Southampton conceded a lot of penalties last season as well. Um, I think it's definitely definitely a case to be made for, for Fernandez, but obviously it's, it's, it's not exactly like captaining Salah is a bad choice. There's only really two, two to go with. If, if somehow you've got a differential in there for Liverpool, then yeah, captaining Mane or Jota might not be a terrible shout. And if you know if you've got the differential for United, or if you've got both like we have with Greenwood, then that might not be a bad shout. But um, you know, Fernandez or Salah are the only real two options. Yeah, I'm interested to. Go Sorry, go on. You can go, Charlie. I was just going to say that the the fact that I think another thing that that would um, sort of back Bruno is the fact that Southampton are now dealing with having lost Vestergaard, having lost Bertrand, so they are a new defence, whereas Burnley have just had basically the same defence for what feels like 10 seasons or something. Um, so I think that's another element that's kind of coming into my thinking. I'm, it's still not made up, but I think any lack of awareness and, and sort of understanding between a, de a defensive line always causes issues, um, and particularly losing someone as kind of influential as Vestergaard in, in the air, particularly, that could help with set pieces. So someone like Shaw could benefit from, from that, having taken quite a few of the corners and, and stuff. But um, yeah, I think that's just something else that, that could play into why I may end up going with Bruno. Very, very interesting again. I can imagine you could get to a point where they both get good holes again, like they did in the first week, but... It's a tricky one. I'm interested to see how United set up away from home because in my mind, Greenwood will be always sat on that last man for the counter-attack. So I think Greenwood is a better asset away from home than he is at home. But we'll see how they take up their positions in that game. So we've mentioned briefly about transfers. Have we got any transfer plans to make or are we just going to be rolling the transfer? So if we start with you, Sam, I feel like you was a bit set on just keeping your transfer. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be keeping my transfer. I've got a pretty, I've you know, I've got transfers planned out for sort of the first eight game weeks at the moment that I feel I owe it to myself to try and stick with. I put in the effort before the season to look through FDRs, to look through fixtures and, and try and plan something out. 
and sticking with my own advice from game week one of you know trying not to make too many knee-jerk decisions. I will say that the temptation to go with Lukaku is real. <laughs> um, he's going to be an animal. He looks in unbelievable physical shape. He's going to score some goals um, with Chelsea, you know, creating a lot of chances, and and uh, that temptation is real at, at the moment. It would just mean, um, you know, almost an unthinkable amount of changes that are needed to bring him in in terms of creating creating value. And I've even got a million set in the bank, so it's still it's still a daunting uh, a daunting thought. But Lukaku, you know, is the only one that I'm, I would look at and think, oh, I'd love to have him in if I could. But other than that, uh, no no transfers me this week. Lukaku is definitely one that I'm looking at a bit further down the line. I can imagine he will score a few goals in these harder fixtures, but until he gets to about game week seven, I think where the fixtures get a bit easier, then I think there'll be a lot of people trying to destroy the teams to bring him in because it's difficult to get. Like when you've got Bruno and Salah, you have to compromise a bit to get Lukaku in there as well. But further down the line, with all those transfers, can shift your team around a bit to get him in there. But yeah, I do like Lukaku later down the line, and it gives you a bit of wait-and-see time to see how he beds in and how he fits into their system, because I assume he'll be the focal point. Yeah. So what are your plans as well, Charlie? Similar thing, really. Just kind of wait and see. I I, I want to set up not to, to use it. I feel like the value of having uh, carrying over that transfer outweighs any potential transfer you could make. Obviously, that, that differs person to person and, and maybe how your game week one's gone. Um, but I'm, I'm happy enough with my team that I don't, I don't feel like I'd gain enough from using my transfer as I would from... Particularly, we're still within the transfer window, so more things could happen that we, that we need to make allowances for. So I think the value of, of saving a transfer is, is much better. Um, agreed on, on the points about Lukaku, I think... Like you said, Will, I think it, there's there's not necessarily a need to get him in now because of the games that that Chelsea have got. Despite the fact that actually they could just go go away and win them, um, but and it's particularly quite a few away games as well, which could make it a bit more tough. But it does just allow you that little breathing space of just see how he plays. If he can play well in those games, then he's a no brainer to bring in for. Yeah, I think you said game week seven. Um, that's when their their fixtures really turn around. So. And and I think it's either game week seven or game week eight. I think the gap between those is the second international break, which traditionally is when I've tended to use my wildcard. Um, by that point, the the um, transfer window will be shut, and we'll have a lot of lot more information, and teams will be more settled and things like that. And because of particularly because of that um, Chelsea fixture swing, that makes that makes it an an easier. Um, sort of trigger for using the wild card and, and getting in a player like Lukaku, as as Sam said, it's because of the amount of money he is, is a bit of a sort of rip up your team to try and fit this extra expensive player in. So a wild card obviously helps do that really easily. Um, but yeah, as as far as this week goes, yeah, I think it's just much more valuable to to hold the transfer if you can. Definitely agree. I think that's my initial thoughts, and I'm hopefully not going to be swayed by that. I think I mentioned earlier, just Bertrand with his COVID is my only issue I really have with the team at the minute. So while I'm hoping he's probably going to miss this week and then be back for game week three, so it's not going to be a a big issue. So I think having those two transfers is going to be quite powerful. I think you mentioned the international break between seven and eight, but I'm looking at the one, I think it's between three and four, 
So ideally, I want to have two for that game week four in case I need them. So ideally, I'll roll it this week, maybe use one the week after. It will make a slight tweak, and then I'll have the two ready for that international break. You never know. We was actually mentioning in the Twitch chat before about the international fixtures, especially about the South American players, that they, I think in that international break, they have to play on the Thursday and the Friday before the games on the weekend. So there's a potential the South American players can't actually play game week four. So that's something to watch out for if you've got like Rafinha or the other examples I had. I don't know why you'd have Firmino. You might have Firmino on your team, Allison, even a Cavani. You have to watch Buendia. out. Buendia as well is a decent one. There's a few in there that could miss that game week four. So hopefully you don't have too many South Americans in your team, but it's something to watch out for anyway. Before we move on to the last bit, I wanted to mention as well, Charlie, how are you feeling about the Chelsea fixture for this week? Are you a bit scared hiding behind the sofa? What is this just a piling on an Arsenal episode? <laughs> just just allow me to talk for a little bit about how I feel like we're going to lose every game. Um, well, I thought yeah, we mentioned I, I mean, I, our teams, hadn't we? So I thought I'd just... Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't see any way Arsenal get even out with a point, to be honest. Um, Chelsea just have far too much... Uh, in in their team, um, if you saw the way that Brentford went at us. I, I can't believe that any of the Chelsea players would have any trouble doing the same. Um, actually, I haven't checked it recently, but at the beginning of the week, I something quite worrying and, and says a lot about the current state of the club. I was checking um, online for tickets for the game. Not that I wouldn't necessarily want to go, to be honest, but just because I saw a thing going around on Twitter saying that actually there's quite a lot of free seats still going for this for the game. Um and I checked and, and it was it was right. There were so many tickets still available. So I'm I I'm not even sure we're gonna get a full crowd. Um which which says a lot. And again, as we talked about the impact of the crowd, I mean Arsenal's traditionally not a, a necessarily a loud crowd anyway, but if we're not even gonna have a full stadium, that's that's very worrying. Um so yeah, anything but a Chelsea win, I think, will be a surprise at this point. Yeah, I don't think we can really disagree with that, but good luck to you. I thought we'd mentioned that we had good captaincy options, but I don't think we're going anywhere near an Arsenal asset, so I just wanted to get your thoughts a bit. Maybe it opens an opportunity if you've got a Chelsea player, maybe give them <laughs> a captain's. <laughs> That's a bad state to be in when you're backing against your own club, isn't it? But... <laughs> We'll see you're how talking goes. to someone. I've I've captained a Spurs player before in a North London derby. Oh, no. That's how that's how FPL. I'm, I I think I I like to think of it as being able to separate the two rather than. I think I've probably also got an anti-Arsenal bias when it comes to FPL. In that I'm I very rarely ever go anywhere near our players because I just see them week in week out and know that they're not good value most of the time. Yeah, that's easier. That's a good disconnect because sometimes it can. You get favoured to like bring in a Liverpool player if you support them, but I think we've all got to the stage where we don't we look at the stats more than that pure emotion behind the decision. Right, so if we just move on to the final bit of discussion. So if you want could have any player in game week two and you'd think well, you could if he was on a free hit, for example, what player would you have because you think they'll score the most points in the game week? Would you be sticking with a Salah or Bruno, or is there someone outside of that that you think will be the highest scorer for this week? We go to Sam. 
difficult. If if I had to bring someone in that I haven't got at the minute, it would be Lukaku. Um, but I think the highest scorer of this game week will either be Salah or Fernandez, and it's flip a coin. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, I think Fernandez is just going to edge it, which is why I've just backed him for the captaincy. But um, yeah. Yeah. What would you be saying, Charlie? I think based on our earlier discussion, I think if you could nail which Man City attacker is going to start, I think I would potentially go for them. Um, so I think I, I, there's an outside shot of KDB. If he starts, I think he could be the highest scorer this week. Um, I think he, he came on at the weekend, if I'm not wrong. Um, so that suggests yeah, he that he's, yeah. So that suggests he's got some fitness there. Um, so it could be well in line to start. And, and you'd feel like in terms of a game to come back in and, and make your start when you're coming back from injury, that feels like a game that he could do and they could they could sort of have a, a, a an easy time because they're going to have a lot of the ball and, and things like that. So he's not going to have to do as much running as he would, say, in, in, a, in a bigger game for them. Um, so, yeah, outside of the obvious, I think I'd maybe go with, with Mr. Kevin De Bruyne. I think that's a very good shout. I've seen a lot of people saying about him being a differential because I feel like he's only about 5% owned at this point in yeah, time. Some, so, some... sorry, go again, Charlie. I was going to say, yeah, something like that. But, uh, yeah, obviously it's the, it's the fact that he's so expensive. That's yeah. You've basically got to take out one of Salah or Bruno. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that. Do that. Yeah, it's similar with Lukaku, isn't it? Like, you wish you could get them in, but it doesn't mean you're going to be able to rip your team up and do it. So I think that links quite well onto your differential pick for the week. So if I was starting, I'd be going with a KDB and a close second being Greenwood, as I've mentioned, various reasons for that. Because I think he's at about eight or nine. He's still slightly below 10, maybe even seven. So if I was picking someone below 10%, I'd be going Greenwood still. I think I might have said that last week as well, but we'll see how United fare away from home. If you guys are picking someone under 10%, who would you be picking, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, th- those were the kind of main ones that I that I had. Um, when when I first thought about it, I did have a quick look at Lukaku, but he's already at 12.6%, which did surprise mm. me a little. Um, people have, have really gotten him quick, and without seeing him at even start a game yet or even come off the bench, I would be a little bit hesitant to get him straight away, um, even though if he, if he does... I, start this weekend then he's going to absolutely demolish us but um i think yeah outside of any of the ones you've already said i'd maybe look at um sar as a bit of an outside differential because he's currently at 4.9 percent only six million seems like great value for someone that like you're saying earlier it seems to be someone that the ball's going to go through he's going to run the show if they play well and based on our only bit of evidence and it, we we can't gloss over the fact that we've only had one game's worth of evidence to look at any of these players or teams so you know there's there's going to be lots more information to come from the coming game weeks but from what we've seen from that he he looks key to them if they're going to do anything it'll be through him and i do like those kinds of players so i think i'd I'd maybe say him outside the ones you've already said yeah i like the sour one option as well i think i looked at him to have him in the original draft but then got pulled away by the assets are probably like a million more expensive, as we've kind of mentioned with the Barnes and Greenwood. If you was going for someone under 10% owned, Sam, who would you be bringing in? Or it could be someone you've already got. Yeah, no, I haven't really got anything fresh to bring to the table on this one, really. Greenwood at 9.1 is probably the uh, 9.1% ownership. It's currently the safe, in my opinion, um, safe option for a, a differential. 
Kevin De Bruyne, 2.8% ownership. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's nuts. Probably the lowest he's he's been since he's been at the club, um, probably. Um, or maybe, you know, I've gone for another Watford option that has a different punt of Dennis in there at 3.6% ownership. Um, if you can somehow forecast where Watford are going to, or how Watford are going to line up. Um, I think we were just touching on before the podcast. There's definitely some uh, some value there, potentially. But yeah, I think Greenwood's Greenwood's the one at less than 10% for now. Um, looks to be looks to be a good good differential. Yeah, I've been looking at Sarah and Dennis. I really like the look of Dennis, but obviously, well, I think they've got so many strikers, Watford. You're just unsure about the minute, so we need a few more game weeks to consider that one because at five million, it enables you elsewhere if you wanted to get a Lukaku or a KDB that we've mentioned. So they have got a lot of strikers. Are you right? I mean, yeah. Dennis, Dini, Cucho, Success, Gray, Fletcher, King. They got a lot. It, if Dennis is is the prefer, preferred option at five million, you know he could be your your replacement for Tony that frees up one point five million. Like, yeah, definitely. Was it Cucho when it came off the bench and scored as well? So I was a bit. Yeah, Cucho at five um, as well. Yeah, because he currently has one one point four percent ownership. Yeah, because and just... the, the fixtures over the next five are pretty good as well. Actually, if you wanted to go for them quite quite early. Um, Way to Brighton and Tottenham's not not ideal, but maybe they could get something from the Brighton game, you'd think. And then they've got Wolves, um, Norwich and Newcastle. So it's actually not a bad time to get on, maybe starting with that Wolves game if if you were looking at them. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a bad differential. And because they're so cheap, they're the kind that you could probably bench if you needed to and rotate out with, with someone else. Yeah, I think I was going for a walk for that set and you wanted the guaranteed minutes, you'd go for Saar because it gives you that option and he's also on penalties. But I do like, I'm looking at Dennis, I feel like I need at least another game week's worth of information to consider it first, though. I don't want to bring him in and then he's just a wasted a transfer and he comes on for the last 10 minutes. That would be a typical knee-jerk reaction, wouldn't it? But we'll see how that one goes. So I think that wraps up everything for today's episode. Have you got anything you guys want to add? Uh, no, that's it. Thanks for having us on again. No worries. Thank you for you both coming on again. And we will hopefully next week be doing it earlier in the week instead of me being on holiday and messing up the whole schedule. But I appreciate everyone for listening. Appreciate Sam and Charlie for coming on again. And we'll see you on the next one. Have a good rest of your evening. <laughs>